Katya. And I'm Rin. And we're here at the Commonwealth Center for Holistic Herbalism in Boston, Massachusetts. And on the internet everywhere, thanks to the power of the podcast. Woohoo! We are not doctors, we are herbalists and holistic health educators. The ideas discussed in this podcast do not constitute medical advice. No state or federal authority licenses herbalists in the United States, so these discussions are for educational purposes only. Everybody's body is different, so the things that we're talking about may or may not apply directly to you, but we hope they'll give you some information to think about and research more. We want to remind you that good health is your own personal responsibility. The final decision in considering any course of therapy, whether discussed on the internet or prescribed by your physician, is indeed always yours. All right. Yeah. Hey, this week we've got some shout-outs. Um, one to Jacob and his cayenne glycerite, and one to Tabitha in North Carolina. Thanks, guys. Hi, thank you. What do you want to talk about this week? Well, I would like to talk about salad. <laughs> I would, actually. Yeah, and um, I'm sort of realizing that this has come around as something I'm paying attention to at the end of the summer instead of the beginning. Okay, but it is really, really hot. We've had, yeah, we've had a heat wave in Boston. I think this is our fourth one this year. Yeah, something some like ridiculous that. number. You know, you know also why it's late this year? Why not? It's because with braces, it's been really hard for me to eat salad. <laughs> and so I didn't make any salad, and I'm only just getting to a place where I can kind of eat it. And so we just haven't had salad in the house for a long time. Mm. And I'm so sick of not eating salad, and it's so hot. And yeah, I don't know. I think that's what. Yeah. But anyway, you can have salad all year long, no problem. Especially because what I kind of wanted to get to today was that, like, maybe you don't have this problem, and if so, cool. But I had a problem for many long years. Of, <laughs> like, my idea of salad was, like, four pieces of iceberg lettuce and a sad tomato, you know, and probably a few cucumber pieces were in there somewhere. Yeah. And, uh... That's it? Some kind of oily dressing. I don't know. Like, Probably is... not any dressing. You don't like dressing usually. Right, yeah. But if you were like at a restaurant and you were going to get a steak and then they brought you a salad, like yeah. it would be those things. And I, like, Gross. that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but we make salad a lot and it can be awesome. So here are some ways to make your salad more awesome. Yeah, because it turns out green leafy things are herbs. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Make so, your salad herbalism. Yeah. So we like to start with uh, some wild greens, or as close to wild as we can get. And there are there are a lot of plants out there in the world that you can eat right off the ground or right <laughs> uh, right in their raw form. You may you may choose to wash them. Yes. Okay. Uh, especially if you're not sure about the dirt, but. Be sure about the dirt because it really matters. You want to know what's there. Yeah. Um, if there's mercury or lead or glyphosate or whatever else going on, you want to be aware of what, what you're consuming. So know your know your dirt, know your ground, know your plants. Um, but if you do find some places where they don't spray and where there's not contamination, then you're in luck because there's a lot of really fantastic green leafy plants that you can eat uh, raw, no problem. So a couple that we really like, um, violet leaves are really tasty. They're tender. Mm-hmm. Um, they're mild in flavor, uh, but they they can be a really easy thing to slip into a salad, even for skeptical people who aren't mm-hmm. sure about this whole weird flavor thing. 
And um, and they're shaped like hearts. And they are shaped like hearts. Yeah. So that's nice. Yeah. So violet leaves are quite nice. Uh, dandelion leaf is a really good food. Um, has a bit of a bitterness to it, but it's not too much. It's not too troublesome. And um, dandelions are really, really nutrient-dense. They're very mineral-rich. Um, and those bitter tastants are really good for you as Tastants? Well. Yeah, it's a real word. It is a thing that tastes. You, I think you just made that up. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. It's the flavor particles. Yeah, right. Well, those are good for you. Those are going to stimulate some digestion. And I mean, you know, that was one of the reasons people um, built a habit of having a little salad before a meal, because the salad had bitter greens in it. It had maybe dandelion or maybe radicchio or at the very least some arugula, right? Something with a bit of a bitter note, because that's going to stimulate your digestive secretions and get you ready to digest whatever else was in your meal. So with dandelions, you get all of that in one lion-toothed package. Elsie has just joined in the fun, and she would like to nominate something meaty for this salad. Yeah? Yeah. Don't worry, we're going to get there. (laughs) A couple other leafy things that you can put in. uh, Wild greens, or you can can grow these in your garden. Um, Garlic mustard is a plant that people um, in our neck of the woods consider an invasive Um, or a nuisance, you know, but garlic mustard is really, really wonderful. Um, It tastes just like it's named. It tastes like garlicky, mustardy, green, leafy goodness. Um, The reason it's considered invasive is because it is quite abundant, and one thing that I've observed um, in the past few years is that garlic mustard can have multiple generations of of the plant within a single year. Like, you can have some plants that are growing up in the early springtime, and garlic mustard's one of the first things to kind of wake up in the spring around here and to to start to um, to grow up and leaf out and go, th- go through its thing. And then it will flower, and then a little while afterwards it will have these seed pods, and they'll fall. And I've seen patches of garlic mustard that I'm sure were on at least their, their second, maybe even their third round of, you know, a whole new generation of plants in a single year. So because of that, it's able to spread really rapidly um, and to cover a lot of ground really quickly. So that's why it gets that label of invasive. But um, the flip side of that is, uh, the flip side of invasive is abundant. And that means that you're pretty much uh, never going to get in trouble for harvesting garlic mustard. (laughs) Um, I can't imagine any park service people or whatever else getting annoyed at you for that because they were probably going to come and try to dig it up or spray it or something anyway. Um, So again, be aware of where people spray, but uh, if that's not a concern, then garlic mustard is really tasty, um, really quite, quite pleasant in a salad. It adds that pungent note to it, so that's really quite good. Um, Another mild green is lamb's quarters. Uh, Lamb's quarters is... um, it's in the Cunopodiaceae family, and there's a bunch of different plants in there that have some wild green um, uh, potential. But um, lamb's quarters is, again, it's a pretty pretty mild green. Um, it's not pungent. It's not really bitter or anything, uh, but it is quite nutritive. You can think of it kind of like wild spinach. Um, and again, it's, it's super abundant. It, it grows all over the place. So you probably have some near you. 
There are some things that we'll occasionally add a little bit of to a salad or that we'll just um, nibble on as we're out for a walk. Um, but these are a bit tougher and you're not going to, you know, if you do choose to include them, maybe just like one or two leaves per person um, rather than a whole bunch. Uh, but so I'm thinking here of plantain. Uh, so that's plantago major or plantago lanceolata. Um, these are a bit fibrous and particularly they have some kind of ribs down the middle. If you were really going to go to the trouble, you could like slice those out. But um, otherwise, you can just have something that's a bit extra chewy and either spit out the fibrous bits that you can't chew up or just go ahead and swallow it. It won't kill you. You'll be all right. So that'd be plantain leaf. Um, and then uh, how about a tree? We don't usually think about eating trees uh, in, in this way, but uh, I've been known to occasionally grab a linden leaf off of a tree and uh, chew that up uh, raw, no problem. Um, so you could give that a shot if you'd like as well. Uh, linden leaves have a pretty pleasant flavor. It's fairly mild. Um, it's, you know, it's very similar to the flavor you get when you make tea. Uh, but that is one that I found you can, you can chew it up. It's just going to take a bit more uh, dedication. <laughs> okay, so we've got our, our like green plant leafy stuff base. Um, another thing I like to add to salads lately is pesto. And pesto kind of is a, a whole thing unto itself, but um, I don't know. I went through a lot of years of my life before ever discovering pesto. Um, it's one of many things I have to thank Ladybird for introducing me to. But um, pesto is really fantastic, and it's not super complicated. You can make your own. Um, and the basic ingredients for pesto are some oil. It can be olive oil. You can choose others, but olive oil is kind of the most common one. Uh, some green leafy stuff, which could be any of the greens that we just talked about. Um, you might also consider nettle in your pesto. Um, and, okay, so we've got oil, we've got greens, and then you're going to need some nuts. You know, classically pine nuts and walnuts are involved, but you can experiment with some other nuts um, and try them out. Pine nuts and walnuts, though, they have a kind of a similar, hmm, what do you call it, crunch factor, I guess? You know, like it's not... <laughs> quite the same as biting into a raw almond or something, they're a little softer uh, and a little more oily. So if you are choosing other kinds of nuts, you might go that way. Um, I don't know, maybe you could slip a macadamia or two into there. Oh, that could be fun. That could be all right, maybe, yeah. I do love pine nuts. They're so good. They're very fancy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so you have those and you mix them all together and then ta-da, pesto. Um, you do it in the blender and you just got to really like make sure everything incorporates well. Uh, a moment ago I had mentioned nettle as something to consider when making pesto, and it's so fantastic. I would have included this in the list of um, things to just throw in as salad greens as well, but uh, you do get stung, so... It's not that bad. It's not that bad, you know, and, and um, I make a point whenever I wander by a nettle plant to eat one of the leaves because they are so incredibly delicious when they're raw it's mm. really hard to describe because there's a bit of a there's a bit of the umami flavor going on there's a decent amount of protein in nettles yeah i was going to um, describe it as proteinaceous yeah you know? like, a, i don't know but it is there's that there's like a mineral saltiness to it um you can taste the amount of chlorophyll that's in there so really yeah they're just great and you don't have to eat them raw for that you can Throw them into the blender with a little oil and some pine nuts and make yourself some nettle pesto. That is good stuff. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. 
All right. Um, next ingredient that I put in my salads these days is some spice blends. Um, these are particularly good to add if you do use pesto, especially if yours came out on the oily side. Um, or if you are, say, putting a can of sardines into your salad bowl, um, particularly if they were packed in oil, you know, they're going to have, there's going to be a lot of excess oil there. And I don't really enjoy my salad being wet. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't want it to be soaked. And so um, if I do throw some sardines in there, I really like to prepare the fields by like laying down the greens and then putting maybe some pesto on there and then putting a bunch of um, uh, spice powder, you know, like maybe a, about a tablespoon all told in, in my, you know, single serving bowl size salad. Um, and that will absorb a bunch of the oil. This is actually good in both directions because the spices will help you digest the oil and absorb the fatty acids and make use of them. The oil will at the same time help you to get more of the phytochemistry that's contained in your spices. Um, yeah, because some of it's oil soluble. Some of it's oil soluble, yeah. And so you, when you ingest the oil, it's the oil solubility, but it's also the fact that ingesting the oil triggers your body to produce certain digestive fluids at a higher amount than if there wasn't really much fatty in your dinner. Um, and so, yeah, you get, you get better absorption of the phyto compounds. Mm. Um, particularly important if you have like a, like a yellow spice blend that has some turmeric in it. Um, but most of the spice blends will benefit from being consumed together with something a bit oily. So, yeah, my favorite spice blend right now is Berbera spice, which is from Ethiopian cuisine. Um, that's some really good stuff and I've been eating it for a while, but I never stopped to look what was in there until earlier today. So I'll just pass <laughs> this so on. Good. Yeah. But it includes chili peppers, garlic, ginger, uh, some basil. Um, there's an herb from that part of the world called Kororima, which is, um, it's actually related to grains of paradise. Um, and so that also puts it in the, in the gingerbraceae or the ginger family, um, so it's another one of those like pungent, uh, kind of like deep warmth uh, herbs. Mm. Um, in Berbere, there's a bit of rue. There's some black seed or um, what do people call it? Uh, black sesame seed or nigella sativa. Some people just call it nigella seed now. There's some fenugreek and uh, there's some ajwain, uh, which is an herb, again, that's um, you know, native to that part of the world and also to, uh, Southeast Asia. Um, and it's kind of similar to caraway or, um, other, other herbs that have a bit of that pungency and a bit of that, um, that astringency. So a bit of that rye bread flavor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, the overall feeling and taste of the Bebera blend is that it's, it's fiery, it's spicy. It's got a lot of complexity to it, so I really enjoy that. Um, but I've also put things like some garam masala or, you know, just some chili powder, garlic, and black pepper. You know, whatever appeals to you. Okay, uh, so then another thing I like in my salad is some berries. Um, and thinking about wild berries in particular... Um, you know, if you have a mulberry tree around you, those are super generous and really abundant and incredibly delicious. Um, they're, a, they're a guaranteed superfood, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> um, but yeah, so mulberries are really wonderful. 
wild blueberries, you know, grow up in our part of the world. Around here, there's also lots of barberry. And barberries Which, are really nice. They they're like really a, good. They have a little sourness to them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I like those a lot. And then um, we were just talking to a student last night who's up in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, Washington State, I think she said. She had just been discovering salal berries. So if you're up in that part of the country, maybe you already know about salal berries. But if not, then check those out because mm-hmm. they're really cool. Yeah. <laughs> they're, uh, they're in the same botanical family as blueberry. Um, but they, they're also very closely related to wintergreen. So it's this very intriguing, like Heather family, blueberry relative, wintergreen, close relative kind of situation. So those seem really neat. Um, okay. You know, but sometimes it's winter or sometimes you don't have a clean, pristine field to go gathering your garlic mustard and lamb's quarters from. Yeah. Uh, Maybe you live in a city. Yeah. So I wanted to name a few things that you can get from the grocery store that can um, make your salad cooler than usual salad. Uh, So (laughs) you can go and you can usually find some fresh herbs there. Um, And some of them aren't super great to throw right on a salad that you're going to eat raw, like rosemary. Rosemary is not a good choice. (laughs) Yeah, rosemary or thyme. You know, it's not not the best thing. Um, But sage leaves and basil leaves Mm -hmm. are really fantastic in a salad. And, you know, if we have, if we have nothing else around, um, you know, no other like wild greens growing or it's that time of year, we might base a salad around some arugula and radicchio because they still have some bitterness and some pungency. And, yeah. You know, some... you know, radicchio these days, when you get the red radicchio, you, they're pretty bitter. Yeah. They're, I mean, appealingly bitter and pleasantly bitter, but definitely, it's not like, oh, that's kind of bitter. Like, it definitely is bitter for real. Yeah, yeah. And really good arugula, you know, it should have like a notable pungency to it. It mm. should be like a little bit peppery, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, those, because they're, they're almost always available, and then some basil leaves, some sage leaves. Sometimes the grocery store also has dandelion leaves for sale. You can get parsley, you can get dill, you can get cilantro. Um, but look at all of the fresh herbs that are available and think about having those be the foundation of your salad rather than some lettuce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, and if you're super lucky and can get some, like, pea greens... Mm-hmm. Um, like the little leaves from from fresh pea plants. Yeah. Uh, oh, and you know another thing I just thought of to add to your list is scallions. Mm-hmm. They're really tasty. They're not as like quite as much in the dragon breath direction as onion, um, but they also they have so much more phytochemical complexity than um, than a lot of other plants, just because again it, it hasn't been bred out of them. Yeah. You know, red onions even. Mm. I mean, they're not they're not too intense, but they definitely still have isothiocyanates and other mm-hmm. good, like, sulfur compounds going on in there. So, yeah. Okay. So, you know, putting that all, all that together, um, last time I made a salad, I did this. I took a generous handful of dandelion leaves and I coarsely chopped it, or I might have just torn them into bits. Sometimes <laughs> I'll do that. Um, another big handful of basil leaves, a big handful of arugula... A couple tablespoons of pesto, um, a can of salmon, um, a handful of pine nuts, uh, half a handful of raisins, and a tablespoon of Berbera spice blend. 
And um, actually, I've had that like three times in the last week because it's yeah, really you've good. been really on about it. Lately. It's really good, and it's it's also like uh, this is also a, a way that I've been trying to expand my relationship to canned fish because for a few years now I've been just like open the can of sardines, eat it right out of the can, have some crackers or something, and just get on with the world. But this is definitely the superior way because it's got green stuff and it's got purple stuff and it's got bitter and it's got pungency and there's lots of more going on there. And I feel it, you know, I feel it in my guts that this is easier for me to digest. And, you know, I, I, I'm sure that some of this is psychosomatic, but I eat that meal and I'm like, now I'm nourished. (laughs) I can go and do things. And you know what? Part of this is also, like I was turned on to this whole idea of like this is a way to get yourself to eat fish from Kim. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she was a, a still exists out there in the world, I imagine, but just haven't caught up with her in a little while. But she was a, a friend and a student, and she was co-teaching with us for a bit. Um, but she spent like half a year once, pretty yeah. much living on greens and sardines. Yeah, and man, she was unstoppable. She was really busy. <laughs> And so she was like, I have no time to eat, so this is what I'm eating. And blueberries, that was the other thing she ate. Blueberries, yeah, yeah. And she was like, I have no time to eat, so this is what I'm eating. It will be the same thing every day, but it will be really, really good. Yeah. And yeah, she was she was mighty. Yeah. So that's it, you guys. Salad isn't salad. That's way truer than truth isn't truth, <clears throat> just for the record. <laughs> <laughs> or we could say, make your salad... Be salad, like make it, make make your salad integral. Yeah, you can make your truth integral too. Yeah. That would be good. Get some life in there. Yeah. All right. So, what's on your mind lately? Well, it's back to school season, oh. and so uh, if you have a, a a kiddo of any age heading back to school, um, even college then uh, there are some herbs that can be helpful for you. And I've been thinking about this particularly because this weekend is the Herbstock Harvest Festival, and that's being held at Spontaneous Celebrations in Jamaica Plain, right here in Boston. Um, And so if you're local, you can check out more about it at Herbstock, H-E-R-B-S-T-A-L-K.org. And I will be teaching there on Saturday at one o'clock and I'll be teaching a class on herbs for back to school. And so I was just sort of thinking about it and I was like, Hey, this is all really fun, interesting stuff. And I think I want to share it with everyone so that even if you're in the far reaches of Western Manitoba, um, it won't, it, you, you can't come to herb stock this weekend. It's okay because you can still get it right here on the podcast. So Some of the things that I was thinking about were, first of all, especially if you have young kids, um, there could be first day jitters, but actually that can happen for kids of any age. Now, if you've got teenagers and, um, you know, that's a whole separate issue, maybe they are really into herbs with you and maybe they think all of mom's herbal mumbo jumbo is just a bunch of mumbo jumbo and they're not interested. Well, that's fine. They're going to have to find their own way, but... If you have young ones or kids who are interested, it can be really helpful. And I came up with a really nice elixir blend that that will be just lovely, not just for kiddos, but for mom too, because first day with the kids back at school, 
especially if it's their first time at school, sometimes that can be rough. Or especially if they just left for college or boarding school or something. It's not, it's not necessarily easy. It's the first round of empty nest and that's tough. So, so make a plan for you too. Um, okay, so my plan is in roughly equal parts to make linden, hawthorne, chamomile, and tulsi elixir. And elixir is a tincture that is half tincture and half honey. And I like to infuse the honey with herbs as well so that every part of this elixir is herbal. And lately I've been infusing fresh Tulsi leaves in honey. Um, in the past we've also infused fresh linden flowers into honey. And um, one thing that I really have on my list for next year, it is like the number one part of my garden plan for next year, is that I want to make a bunch of chamomile infused honey. So it kind of doesn't matter which part you infuse in the honey, except that it has to be fresh plant matter. You cannot infuse dried plant matter into honey. So you're going to put your fresh plant matter right into the honey, let that infuse, make the rest of them as tincture, blend them up together, and it is going to be delicious. Delicious and also so calming. First off, linden, hawthorn, and chamomile all are really soothing, really calming, Tulsi is very uplifting and sort of encouraging. And Hawthorne and Linden both have that action of soothing the heart and the nervous system. So if you do have a jitter aspect or if there's a little bit of fear or if you're the parent of a new student who's going away and you're feeling a little like, you know, oh my goodness, a part of my heart is being pulled off into school and, and I'm not there. Um, then the Hawthorne really is a beautiful addition for that. And that actually can be a really nice blend when you get home from school again, too. First off, when you come home from school, um, there's been a lot of stimulation through the day. And it, it, really, it really is important to take a few minutes and settle down from that and just relax a little bit. But then sometimes there's homework, and homework can be difficult to settle into. So I'm a big proponent of having a good solid wiggle and then a nice cup of chamomile while you're doing your homework because that can help you feel calm and also focused. Um, if, especially with, with high schoolers or middle school kids who have a lot more homework, um, then maybe some rosemary is a good idea because maybe they're tired after their day at school and they still have to focus and that is a little challenge. So in that case, a nice cup of rosemary tea can be really, really good. And then I wanted to talk about the um, back to school germs that always seem to follow kiddos home and that's not very convenient. Um, and there's a lot that can be done, and it's really quite simple to help your family to really ward that off. And one of our favorite things to do is a time steam. So a time steam is just where you're going to boil some water in a big pot, like a soup pot full of water, get it up to a good rolling boil, set it on a table, and get yourself a towel so that you can make a tent over this pot. Then you're gonna toss a good big handful of dried thyme right into that pot. 
and put your head right over it so that you can breathe in all of the very smelly, volatile oils. Now, if your kids are little, then one thing that I used to love to do is make a tent over a table and everybody can lay inside the tent and that way it's not quite as intense for the little ones breathing it in, but they are still getting those volatile oils down deep in their lungs and it's a little safer. They're less likely to burn themselves this way, especially because you're going to get into the tent with them. So. Why is this so great? Well, thyme has really uh, very effective antimicrobial action, especially in the respiratory tract. But the thing is, you have to get it to the respiratory tract. And it doesn't go there easily just by drinking tea. Mostly you lose the volatile oils and they don't get all the way to the lungs that way. So instead, we want to get those volatile oils directly into the lungs, and fortunately, your nose is a direct pathway to do that. So if you just breathe in the smelly steam and breathe it way down deep into the lungs, now it's going to be hot, and it's going to be kind of, you know, time is quite pungent, and so it's also going to smell pungent, and that smell is going to be hot, but um, it is very, very effective. If it is too much for your kiddos, then peppermint can be just as effective. Even chamomile can actually be quite effective um, and won't be quite as hot and intense of a smell to breathe in. But this is one of my favorite ways, especially if you know that people around you are sick. It is just a great way to clear out those path passageways. And the problem is that you've breathed in a bunch of pathogens. So let's kill them on contact. Let's get right to where they are and clear them out and be done with it. So that's why I just love a time steam. Also, beautiful for congestion. If you're super congested, trust me, this will clear out your sinuses. So that's very good. But your kids might actually prefer some rose hip and elderberry syrup because it is a sweet treat and really, really nice. Mm -hmm. So rose hips are super high in vitamin C and lots of other great things. Antioxidants, bioflavonoids, the whole nine yards. And elderberries also have all that vitamin content and a lot of other antioxidants and bioflavonoids, but they have one other bonus. Yeah, so what's going on there is that Elderberry has in it something called anthocyanins, and these are uh, actually some of the color compounds that give it that dark blue-purple color. Um, so some of those anthocyanins have a function that's called neuraminidase inhibition. Sounds really fancy, but it basically just means that there's this enzyme called neuraminidase, and these components from the elderberry, they inhibit the activity of that enzyme. Well, what that enzyme does in the case of a flu virus is the flu virus basically uses that enzyme to spike through your cell walls and inject its genetic material into the cell so it takes over and turns the cell into a little virus factory. Elderberry breaks off that spike, essentially, so that the flu virus can't get into your cell and it can't replicate itself. So you've inhibited its capacity to complete the virus life cycle. By disabling a virus's ability to do that, you actually are creating a situation where, yes, your immune system still has to fight the viruses that you have inhaled, 
but they can't replicate. So this job is going to be so much easier um, than than if the viruses had gotten in there and replicated and made a million copies of themselves and now you actually really get sick. So elderberry syrup is just indispensable. And at this time of year, it's still pretty hot outside. So you could take a nice rosehip and elderberry syrup, put maybe a tablespoon of it in a, in a glass and then add some fizzy water and it's kind of like a really healthy soda. So it's something that's like a treat for the kids, but also is going to boost their health and boost their immune system and keep the whole family healthy. I would have that at least twice a day. And um, you can't go wrong. They're going to love it. You're going to love it. It's going to be super helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. So that's what's on my mind. Yeah. And if you want more, come to the class this weekend. Yep, that's on Saturday, September 1st. At 1 o'clock. At 1 o'clock. Although the event is happening, I think, from like 10 until 5, something like that. Yeah, there's going to be lots of good stuff there. Check it out. Get some vitamin community into your life. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yay, herb stock. Yay, spinoff herb stock events. <laughs> it's all <laughs> good stuff. Yeah. Well, hey, so this weekend while I'm teaching... You're going to be in Vermont, running through the woods. Yeah, yeah. The MoveNet folks are doing a, a new thing. It's an immersion event, um, and they've been very secretive about it, so I'm not really sure what all we're going to get up to, but um, I'm expecting to climb some trees and to crawl around in the woods and probably get thrown in a pond or two, but <laughs> yeah, um, I'm really looking forward to it, to, to go out there and like find some edges and push on them and just spend some time in a natural environment, moving around and getting in touch with my physicality. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, that'll be pretty exciting. Yeah. And then the weekend after that, we'll be in the woods in Royalston with our students. We will. It's going to be a real woodsy, woodsy start of the fall for us. Yeah. I'm so excited. Yeah, it's a good thing. So we hope you guys get to spend some time outside too. And thanks for listening in. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.